lecture six part one of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture six on humility towards our neighbor part one be ye subject to every human creature for god's sake one peter chapter two verse thirteen if the virtue of humility is so often misunderstood when directly exercised towards god the same virtue is liable to still greater misconception when exercised towards our neighbour all error in the human mind arises either from confounding together things in their nature or properties distinct or from separating things that are in their nature or intention one we have a marked example of this second mode of error in the vague and confused notions that prevail with respect to the nature and intention of that humility which is exercised towards our neighbour and it will be the object of this lecture to disentangle the confusion god is the ultimate object of all humility whatsoever for the invariable office of this virtue is to subject the soul to god either in himself or in his gifts or in his word power or authority wherever he may place them every living image of god every communication of his grace every delegation of his authority represents his beneficent action and brings before our mind its divine author and giver wheresoever or in whomsoever god is represented in his likeness his gifts or his authority there the faithful heart passes beyond what represents him to give honour and reverence to the sovereign majesty from whose generosity every good and perfect gift descends there also the light of faith enables us to perceive the immense inferiority of our nature in comparison with his divine gifts there are two things to be considered in every man and these two things have to be well and carefully distinguished from each other what the man is of himself and what he is by the superadded gifts of god what is of the man's self belongs to defect and failure what is of god belongs to justice to salvation and to perfection god declared through the prophet osi destruction is thy own o israel thy help is only in me osi chapter thirteen verse nine humility looks to the reverence that subjects man to god on account of his inferiority and dependence and for the same reason every man ought to subject what is purely his own to what is of god whether that which is of god is in himself or in another for the order of justice demands that what is inferior and defective be subject to what is superior and perfect and consequently every man ought to subject what is of his own weak nature to the more excellent things that come from god wherever they may be the law of humility therefore which belongs to justice 
requires that we should submit our nature to the gifts of god with reverence whether those gifts are in ourselves or are or are presumed to be in other men this is the principle of humility in its exercise towards our neighbor it is not a reverence given to human nature but to the gifts of god within that nature and to whatever represents his divine superiority over human nature the man ought to bend his own nature in act or in spirit in the sense of his inferiority to what descends from god this inward spirit of humility born of grace inspires those habits of mutual respect and reverence so conspicuous in the manners of a truly catholic population although persons without faith can see nothing beyond an unusual politeness but where the gift of faith is neglected or lost the man of nature reappears in all his rudeness and self-assertion takes the place of humility it by no means follows that we are to submit what is of god in us to what is of nature in another person that would not be humility but a preposterous perversity nor does humility require as st thomas remarks that any one should submit the gifts of god in himself to what appear to be the gifts of god in another since those who partake of those gifts are not without knowing that they have received them st paul tells the corinthians we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that we may know the things that are given us of god one corinthians chapter two verse twelve we may therefore prefer the gifts we have ourselves received to those another may have appeared to receive and this without any prejudice to humility so far from this we have all the greater reason to be humble on account of the greater gift received especially when conscious that we have not corresponded to those great favours as we might have done the exceptional gifts of st paul were made by him the ground of the greatest humility by the grace of god he said i am what i am and his grace in me hath not been void but i have laboured more abundantly than all they yet not i but the grace of god with me one corinthians chapter fifteen verse ten when the humble saint francis was asked how he could consistently with truth call himself the greatest sinner in the world he replied had god given even to the most wicked man the graces and favours he has bestowed on me he would have been far better and more grateful nor do i doubt but that were god to withdraw his hand i should do things more absurd and monstrous than all other men and be the greatest of sinners for this reason i judge myself to be the most ungrateful of mortals this spirit is common to the saints who having a profounder intuition into their nature by reason of their greater light and humility were always ready to place themselves in their own judgment 
among the last and lowest of god's intellectual creatures but though we are not called upon by humility to submit the gifts of god in ourselves to the gifts of god in another this does not stand in the way of our submitting to the judgment of the church respecting those gifts whether they be or be not of god because the church acts from the authority of god and the holy spirit presiding in the church judges of all things hence st paul says that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets one corinthians chapter fourteen verse thirty two and st john gives us this admonition believe not every spirit but try the spirits if they be of god because many false prophets are gone out into the world one john chapter four verse one this then is the great principle of humility that we ought to revere and to subject ourselves most profoundly to god in all things and to revere what is of god in every one yet not with the same reverence with which we are subject to god whilst therefore we exercise humility in the sense explained to all our neighbours always presuming some good gift of god in them and certain that they bear the image of god and are capable of divine gifts we are not to exhibit that worship to them which is only due to god but where the gifts of god are great and manifest a greater internal reverence and veneration is due although its external manifestation is not always expedient and where the authority of god is represented there a special reverence and submission is due proportioned to the nature and extent of that authority not to the man as he is man but to the power and dignity of that authority which is inseparable from the man in giving the rule of humility towards our neighbour st peter first gives the general law as applicable to all and then the special law as applicable to authority be ye subject therefore he says to every human creature for god's sake and then he adds whether to the king as excelling or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evil-doers and for the praise of the good for so is the will of god one peter chapter two verses thirteen through fifteen as st peter gives the law of subjection to the temporal powers st paul gives the law of subjection to the spiritual powers obey your prelates he says and be subject to them for they watch as being to render an account of your souls that they may do this with joy and not with grief for this is not expedient for you hebrews chapter thirteen verse seventeen here is a double precept the one of subjection the other of obedience to the pastoral care but with respect to the general law of humility to our neighbour this should be well noted and we give it in the language of the prince of theologians humility requires not of any one that he subject what is purely his own 
to what in another person is purely his own but only that he subject what is his own to what is of god in another person still a man may account something to be good in his neighbour that he has not himself or may find something evil in himself that is not in his neighbour and on that account he may subject himself to another person this exposition ought to remove many errors and prejudices as it clearly shows that all humility is directed to god either directly or in his gifts but the same humility forbids the unreasonableness of judging another man's soul we can only act on what we know and we always know much more of our own internal weaknesses and defects than we can know in the case of another person we also know much more of our own inward lights and graces than we can know in the case of any other soul we likewise know of our own interior what we can never know of another's interior how far the soul has been true or untrue to her interior gifts we have therefore the proper grounds for judging our own soul but we have not the proper evidence to enable us to judge the soul of another person even the church judges not of things purely internal but only of things openly manifested it should be understood observes st augustine that there is no one that may not have some good however hidden that you have not there is strength in this thought to beat down pride and to bring it under do not imagine because you have good gifts which are visible that another may not have good gifts in secret possibly theirs may be better than yours though you do not see them the apostle had no notion of flattering or deceiving when he said let nothing be done through contention neither by vainglory but in humility let each esteem others better than themselves philippians chapter two verse three this way of thinking subdues pride stimulates charity and makes the bearing of one another's burdens an equable and a willing duty no one can judge another unless he be known in the intimacy of friendship where defects are borne with for the sake of the good gifts that hold friends together and give them consolation reflections like these are of great value where there is question of comparing one soul with another for we have no key to open any one's soul but our own and the only key to open that is humility we see the external but not the internal facts of other souls and we have our lord's command judge not and you shall not be judged for with what judgment you judge you shall be judged and with what measure you meet it shall be measured to you again st matthew chapter seven verses one and two but there is higher ground for the prohibition than our incapacity to judge it is a usurpation of the divine judgment who art thou as st paul that judgest another man's servant to his own master he standeth or falleth 
romans chapter fourteen verse four excepting the judges he has appointed to judge in his name god alone is the judge of souls our brethren are invaluable to us for the exercise of humility but to judge them is to reveal our own pride every great christian virtue has its hundredfold reward in this life but few persons perhaps reflect on the beauty of the reward we receive for humility to our neighbor this humility opens the soul to all the good that god has planted in other souls and by subjecting our nature in reverence to that good it brings us under the influence of a vast amount of good beyond what we ourselves possess we are always partaking of that which we love and reverence and the humility which is ever opening the door to charity brings us into communion and consequently to the sharing of all the good gifts of god that we see or may presume to find in those around us little do the proud the censorious and the self-sufficient understand from how much good they isolate themselves from want of humility to their neighbors those are the happy sunshiny souls that are open to see all the good influences of god around them and that receive into themselves the reflection of the divine good which god has given to other souls this is one of the great privileges of a truly religious society where humility and charity are the dominant virtues that each soul is always receiving a beautiful and powerful influence from all the rest of the community the very spectacle gives a light to the words of our lord that where two or three are gathered together in my name there i am in the midst of them st matthew chapter eighteen verse twenty undoubtedly there is a natural humility or rather modesty of mind and heart that even in the light and order of nature prefers what is superior to what is inferior and what is enlightened to what is unenlightened although that inferiority be one's own there is also a certain natural humility of well-conditioned minds often conspicuous in men of genius who by humbling their intelligence to the facts and truths of nature make great discoveries from the loving observation of what appears to be small and humble things such as prouder minds disdain or never notice what is genius but the carrying of the child's simplicity intuition and susceptibility into the matured man such a mind was newton's who compared himself to a child gathering shells on the shore whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before him such was linnaeus the botanist who on first seeing an english common covered with the golden bloom of the gorse flower uncovered his head went on his knees and thanked god for the beautiful spectacle such was ferguson the astronomer who when a shepherd boy tending his nightly flock with his untutored string of beads mapped out the heavens such also was cross the electrician 
who though he could rail against priestcraft was yet so modest that to use his own expression he verily believed that the door of heaven was guarded by the angel of humility but when god is in no wise contemplated in his creatures this is natural modesty rather than true humility because humility implies the subjection of the mind and heart to god either in himself or in his communicated gifts let us ascend higher to take a larger view of the action of god in providing us with such ample means for the exercise of a virtue so essential to our peace and happiness st isaac the syrian bishop of nineveh gives us this excellent advice read those books he says and with frequent assiduity that wise men have written on the works of god's providence they will enlarge and strengthen your mind and enable you to understand how god acts towards his creatures and how he regulates them the contemplation of god's providence in action is a great help to humility of soul this is one of the great features of the holy scriptures that they everywhere exhibit the movements of god among the affairs of men and reveal his divine action and that of his angels to mortal sight so when saints and holy men write history they see god everywhere not only providing and blessing but instructing correcting humbling and trying the souls of men they never forget that whom god loveth he chastiseth hebrews chapter twelve verse six to make them humble or to keep them humble it is one of the great distinctions between the servants of god and the votaries of the world that whilst the first see all things overruled by the hand of god the last see nothing but the powers of nature the first look to the sovereign cause in all things whilst the last see but secondary causes which they mistake for the first and engaged with intermediate ends they forget the final end it is the will of men acting apart from god and preferring in their pride to see the evil rather than the good in their fellow-men that so bitterly entangles this world of human nature it is the myriads of self-wills impelled each by its own self-love that produce the knots the ravels and interminable complications that make this world such a wearing perplexity to thoughtful minds devoid of the wisdom that descends from god even david was perplexed in his musings on these things until he remembered the judgments of god the tragedy of human life is not that strife of free will with fate that the ignorant pagans imagined but it arises from the collision of pride with the providence of humiliation of self-will destined always to defeat against the will of god there is such an enormous distance between what we are by nature and what god would have us to be by grace that we may pass from misery to happiness and the obstacles within us that hold us back or throw us the other way are of such a kind 
tending to seek false instead of true greatness in the exaltation of ourselves and not in ascending to things greater than ourselves that this alone shows what a great part humility must take in replacing us on the path that leads to god happy are they who have eyes and light to see the exterior as well as the interior operations of god that bring us help and opportunities for the gaining of a humble spirit the whole order of probation and the whole providence of humiliation are directed to the repression of pride and the subjection of our hearts to god and to his gifts whether imparted to us or to our brethren never will it be known until the day of judgment what a prodigious amount of external as well as internal help and provided occasion has been offered us to help and even to provoke us to the exercise of humility and never until that solemn day will it be known what an enormous provision of both external and internal help has been neglected or abused this reflection alone is enough to humble us to the dust but then it will be seen how the action of god moved supreme in its simplicity over all the complications and entanglements produced by the perversity of human wills making all things work together for the good of his elect pride is so great an evil such a root of disorder such a falsification of our nature such an enemy of god that nothing ought to be neglected that can contribute to its destruction and humility is such a good and such a cause of good that nothing ought to be omitted that can help to its perfection god has therefore given us not only interior helps but many exterior ways to humility when we have once the foundation of this virtue in ourselves both the good and the evil in our neighbours will serve its growth to the good we see in them that god has given we open our hearts with respect and reverence revering god's goodness to them and receiving edification whilst the evils we cannot but see remind us of our own infirmities which not only tend to humble us unless we are like the pharisee but often bring us humiliations that we have only to transmute into humility thus our social life is an exercising ground where we have ample means at our disposal for carrying on the conflict between our higher and lower nature as our mortal senses have much to do with pride and are indeed as st paul points out the chief cause of our spiritual elation it is of great importance that they should be brought into the service of humility nothing can more effectually contribute to the rectifying of our nature it is one of the blinding results of pride to fancy that we may be completely humble before god in our interior without being externally humble to our neighbours but our soul is so accessible through our senses and we are so inclined to be influenced for good or evil by other souls that if we are not humble with them 
we shall be the contrary and however much the truly humble keep their interior gift a secret if it exists in the soul the spirit of humility can no more be withheld from our neighbours than the spirit of charity not for ostentation but from true interior reverence end of lecture six part one